I'd like to welcome everyone tuning into our live stream. It's just one part of our service here at Chelsea Community Church with City Temple on a Sunday morning. You can come and join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Or if you want to join us via Zoom, drop us an email and we'd love to send you the details. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to go to two places. First of all, to Matthew chapter 13 and then to 2 Peter chapter 2. Matthew 13 and 2 Peter 2. And before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the Bible. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true and that by your spirit you speak to us through the Bible. And I pray that you would do that today. And I pray, Almighty God, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I could bring your word to your people today, boldly and faithfully, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. In Matthew 13, we start with verse 24. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, uh, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then in Second Peter, Second Peter chapter two, we're going to read the whole chapter, uh, although I'm just really dealing with the first ten verses or so. Peter writes, he says, "But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you." who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept into the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, 
Do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery. Insatiable for sin, they entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped, uh, escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become for them worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. You know, I'm almost tempted every time I read that to say to Peter, so Peter, what do you really think about false teachers? <laughs> it's pretty, pretty strong. I don't know if you picked up on it. Uh, recently in Australia, uh, there was a wave of sickness. Actually, uh, over 120 people were affected. Uh, some, including at least one child, were hospitalized because uh, of contaminated spinach. Now, for some of us, we think spinach contaminated all the time. But uh, in that case, uh, they had to do a massive recall uh, because apparently a weed had found its way into the spinach crop and had been intermingled. And the weed uh, caused uh, a whole variety of symptoms, including delirium or confusion, uh, uh, hallucinations, dilated pupils, rapid heartbeat, flushed face, blurred vision, dry mouth, a dry skin, and a fever. That's pretty extraordinary. And, uh, and I, the Lord just brought me to mind to that story when he was speaking to me about the topic for today. Because weeds, as we know, can be dangerous and destructive and very difficult to deal with. Weeds often grow rapidly and they go deep and they can be a challenge to remove them. And you know, Jesus said that Satan would sow weeds among the wheat in Jesus' field. He said this kind of thing is going to happen and that he would deal with these weeds in due course, but we do need to recognize them because they still are quite dangerous and be quite deadly. But of course now, I'm no longer talking about the plant-based variety. I felt like that the Lord spoke this to me 
a number of days ago. And here I'll, I'll quote what I feel like the Lord said. In 2023, you will see a sudden acceleration in the growth and appearance of false teachers and false prophets. They shall be growing like weeds and contaminating everything that may be contaminated. They shall poison many of my people, giving them false dreams and visions, delusions and confusions, making many sick and leading many astray. Keep your hearts pure and wash your food meticulously. End quote. And I think that's spiritual food, by the way. Uh, you know, I am not discouraged by the presence of false prophets and false teachers. In fact, the presence of false prophets and teachers encourages me because Jesus said that there were going to be false prophets and false teachers. Paul said there would be. Peter said there would be. The Bible is clear that they're, they're going to be. So to me, the presence of false prophets and false teachers is a confirmation of the truth of the word, not a violation of the truth of the word. But still in all, we must recognize that they are very dangerous. And I believe that what Jesus has said is going to come to pass in this coming year. We are going to see a radical escalation in the number of false prophets and particularly false teachers or false ministers. And in the sermon, if I say false prophet, false teacher, or false minister, they're a little bit different, but I'm going to mean the same thing today. So we need to understand that this is happening because in some cases, our spiritual lives literally depend upon it. And it's good that Peter gives us a lot of insights. And we're not going to deal with all of what Peter said. I'm going to follow this up on Thursday night at Kohlhoff, talking about uh, the second part of this passage and some other things I think the Lord is saying. But today we're going to look at the first bit of that and what Peter tells us about these false teachers. First thing that Peter says is that false teachers are among us. False teachers are among us. And uh, we often lose the force of this phrase, among us, or among you. Uh, Jesus, when he's talking about leadership, he says, I am among you as one who serves. Notice he didn't say, I'm over you or I'm under you, but I'm among you. When Peter, in 1 Peter, he talks about elders. He talks about elders being among the people. So these false ministers are going to be among the people of God. Now there's a, a great song by one of my favorite bands called The Lost Dogs. Uh, yeah, you can look them up, uh, get on Spotify. And it's in their, from their first uh, cassette, album, CD, uh, download, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's called, Why, Why is the Devil Red? You know, it's, Why is the Devil Red? Why ain't the devil blue? You know, who's that looking like an angel of light? Who's that dressed in a gown of white? Who's that saying everything's all right? You know, false prophets and false teachers are among us. And they seem like normal people. They seem like normal people. Now, in saying this too, I'm not 
you know, back in the, what is it, in the 1950s, before my time, in the United States, there was this craze about communists. And everybody was looking to accuse everybody else of being a communist. You know, and that's not what we're doing here. You know, so we're not saying that everybody's a false teacher or that these false teachers are hidden, you know, and like, like communists, you know, they're in disguise and they're spies, although sometimes they can be that way. So, but false teachers are among us, Peter says, and we need to understand that. Now, what is false teacher? A false teacher or a false minister are people who appear to be Christians, and some actually are genuine Christians who have influence over other people, yet influence them in ways that are contrary to God and God's ways. They're influencing people away from God and God's ways. And I think false teachers in this day exist in the micro and the macro. Now, we like to think of false teachers as macro. You know, it's the person on YouTube that says, Jesus really didn't rise from the dead. Or it's the person who's leading a church, and we think, oh, there's something dodgy about that. And so we want to look for, you know, the big people and the big names and the big platforms. But actually, the false teachers that are going to proliferate in the year ahead are actually in the micro. They will be false teachers that are influencing two or three or four or five people. False teachers that are influencing home groups. Not necessarily those that are influencing whole churches and whole denominations. And we need to understand that false teachers can seem to be any variety of minister. They might seem to be an apostle or a prophet or evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, a worship leader. And by the way, one of the big, another one great way that we're going to see false teachers proliferate is through worship leadership. Even now, you have to be careful of the words of the songs. It's astounding to me how poor theology is in some of the songs that are out there. They could be worship leaders, professors, church ministers, missionaries, elders, or anyone exercising an influence over other people in the name of God, Jesus, or the church. And because of this, discerning false teachers can be difficult. You know, you cannot discern someone as true or false based on the books or the number of books they've written, based on the songs they've recorded, based on their followers on social media, based on their YouTube views, based on the size of their ministry, based on the influence of their ministry, based on the prosperity of their ministry, based on money or reviews of other people or degrees or titles or status or name recognition. You can't use those things. Let me tell you about one of the most powerful false teachers ever. This was a guy who looked good. I mean, he was handsome, kind of like me. Uh, no, he was much handsomer than I am. So he was handsome. He could play, equivalent of play the guitar. He had a great singing voice. People loved him. He was a great speaker. People flocked to heal him. No, it's not me. It's a false teacher. It's a false teacher. People would flock to heal him, but there was a problem. He was teaching heresy. Now, there's another guy that stood up against this guy, this super popular guy. He was short. He was ugly. 
He couldn't preach his way out of a wet paper sack. Uh, nobody liked him. He was kind of rude. Uh, he couldn't sing uh, or the cats would all run away, I guess, if he tried. I mean, it was terrible. Yet, he took a stand for the truth. The false teacher was a guy named Arius, and the true teacher was a guy named Athanasius, and the result of their confrontation is what we call the Nicene Creed, one of the first major statements of what is Orthodox Christianity. So you cannot depend on the way someone sounds or whether they seem nice or something like that to determine whether they are a false teacher. All false teachers will have, at least initially, some degree of the truth. I know one false teacher, and notice I'm, I'm not going to mention a lot of names because I'm going to refer to some contemporary people, but I know one uh, false teacher that I read many of his books. His books were solid, but he was a false teacher. All false teachers will have some degree of legitimacy. They might have some training. They might have people following them. All false teachers will have some degree of appeal. You know, most of the time, they don't look ugly. They're not repellent. Sometimes they're genuinely nice people. And let me tell you, all true teachers, all true teachers will have error. You know, I, this might be shocking. Uh, those of you who have been with me for a while is not. But I have error in my teaching. I do. Because there's only one errorless teacher that ever existed. And his name was Jesus. Or Jesus. Everybody else has error. The presence of error is not what makes you a false teacher. What makes you a true teacher is your pursuit of the truth and being willing to admit when there's error in your teaching. All true teachers will have sin in their lives, but they will consistently repent. They'll confess the sin as sin. They will uh, renounce the sin and seek to place it with righteousness. I always distrust anybody who's accused of sin and immediately goes to self-defense. That could be an indicator of a false teacher. It could also be an indicator of real immaturity, by the way. All true teachers will be wounded and hurt from time to time. But they will deal with their wounding and their hurt through forgiveness, refusing to take offense. So if you want to discern a false teacher, you need to know biblical truth. Just like if you want to recognize a counterfeit bill, the best way to recognize counterfeit is to know the real thing. People who know the real thing will recognize a counterfeit. In order to discern false teachers, you need to see the person under the light. I was at uh, Sainsbury's, and I hadn't noticed this. I think they do it before, but I hadn't paid attention. I think it was Sainsbury's, where I, I'd given a, a 10 pound note to pay for something. I know, it's kind of a novel idea, isn't it? Uh, and what they did, they stuck that 10-pound note under a light to verify that it was not fake. I thought, wow, that's cool. And so if you want to know a true teacher from a false teacher, you need to see the person themselves under the light. 
You know, it's one of the reasons why I love having people like Amy that live in our home and Kate that lives in our home. Chet's going to come stay with us again. And I know Chet years ago uh, before he had a beard and before he had gray hair. Uh, and because these people are people who know me. And I always give you the right to ask anybody anything about me. And I hope that they will always tell you the truth. You know, warts and all. Because there are some. You know, you got to put the person under the light. And any person who claims to be a teacher, who claims to teach the true gospel of God, that refuses to be personally under the light, is a false teacher by definition. So you got to put the person under the light. It's not what they say, and it's not what they do, but it's how they live. And you need true teachers as anchor points. There comes a point in time where you have to say, okay, I trust this person, and I trust this person, and I'm going to use them to help me evaluate all the other teachers. And if you do that, some of those people need to be dead. That is, people like John Calvin and others in history that have written solid theology that you can use. You need true teachers as anchor points, and you need a true healthy church. Right now, it is more important than ever to be involved in a church, one that's true, one that's healthy, one that's preaching the gospel. People who are on their own are always susceptible to false teachers. And the coming under the influence of false teachers can be disastrous. Can be disastrous. Because false teachers are among us. Now Peter says, second thing, he says that there are three types of false teachers that are among us. I've read this passage for years and I never picked up on this until I was reading it this week. There at the beginning, Peter talks about three types of false teachers. The first type is what I'd call heresy false teachers. These are false teachers who distort the person of God, especially Jesus, or undermining the Bible. Some of these even deny the lordship of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the leader. Now, you don't always know that those people around, you know, we had a false teacher of this type at City, at City Temple in Chelsea recently who had actually been part of our fellowship for a couple of years. And uh, we had talked with him, but he didn't really believe that Jesus was God. We had talked with him. We'd shared with him. He was a nice guy. A lot of people liked him. I liked him. And our hope was always that he would repent of his false teaching and then come come to under the truth. Sadly, he didn't. And last summer, we had to confront him, and he chose to leave rather than repent. That's going to happen. And so it just tells you that sometimes these false teachers are not people that, you know, have the big platform. In fact, when it started to cause me concern is when he started to share how he was teaching people certain things. And I said, no, that's not going to last. That happens. There are consequences if you come under the influence. You'll experience the destruction of your faith and the destruction of your life with God. 
So to resist these, you need to know that God is sovereign, that God is transcendent, God is omnipotent, God is omniscient, God is omnipresent, God is immutable, unchangeable, God is holy. You need to get to know who God really is according to the Bible. To recognize these, you also need to know who Jesus really is, that Jesus is fully God, fully human, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose bodily from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he's coming again. You also need to recognize that the Bible is trustworthy and authoritative. That the Bible is the final word for our faith and our practice as Christians. And anybody that goes against it is not walking in the truth. These are essential because there are heresy false teachers that are out there. But let me tell you, the heresy false teachers are some of the easiest to recognize. The second type, according to, according to Peeper, Peeper, Peter, uh, what I call, I, I call these sensuality false teachers. Sensuality false teachers. These are false teachers who distort the goodness of God and God's good gifts to us as human beings. They encourage people to live out of sensuality, out of pleasure, or out going by their feelings, you know, just following their gut, or how you get affirmed. I know that there's a, a, a famous Christian singer in the United States most recently that was saying that uh, uh, she was going to host uh, a homosexual wedding in her garden uh, of a relative. And she was saying, well, I'm doing that because all that Jesus said was love God and love your neighbor. You know, that's what you should do. Well, actually, uh, the Bible says more than that. Uh, John tells us that uh, obeying God is the love of God. So if you really do love God and love others, you obey God. That's a sensuality, false teacher. They're teaching out of what feels good, what feels right at the time. And the consequences of the sensuality, false teachers, is that the way of truth will be blasphemed. How much is that happening today? Where people are saying, Jesus isn't right, Christians are just judgmental, you know, because they have these opinions, they have these perspectives, and it's just hate-filled. That's blaspheming the way of truth. The Christian way of life is being attacked and criticized as not good. Now to stand up against the sensuality false teachers, we need to know that people are created in God's image and how God created us. We need to understand that God desires that we enjoy life and that we flourish, but according to his design and his will. We need to understand that God has given us both pleasure and pain. Pleasure is a good gift from God. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to understand God's good gift of sex between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. These are good things, and people try to make Christianity to be, to be a bad thing. Those are the sensuality false teachers. But if you really see the Bible and understand what the Bible says, the Bible tells us to enjoy life to enjoy God's good things. And the sensuality false teachers warp that. And there's a third type of false teacher, and this is the most difficult one to recognize. Absolutely. 
It's what I'd call the advantage-seeking false teacher. The advantage-seeking false teacher. Uh, Peter uses the word greed, but the word greed means that you want more to gain the advantage over somebody else. So it's people who want more influence, more status, more platform, more money, uh, more sex, more any of those things to gain the advantage over someone else. These are false teachers who distort the calling and gifting of God on their lives for money, sex, power, or other personal benefit. And these are most the most dangerous false teacher because often they seem to be preaching the truth. But as Peter says, they exploit other people with their false words. And often pride and control are big issues in these false teachers. One of the most horrible things about waking up after five weeks in a coma uh, from COVID was learning that one of my personal heroes after his death turned out to be a false teacher. Now, I'm not going to tell you who he is, but many of you will, will know the name. Uh, this man, every time I heard him, he was preaching truth. Every time I read one of his books, it seemed to be true and solid. Every time I read something coming out of his ministry, I thought, wow, this is really good. But in the end, it turned out that the man had for years been a serial adulterer, gaining advantage over women. And when they start, said that I'm going to tell, I'm going to report this, he says, if you do, I'll destroy you. Because who do you think they're going to believe, me or you? And it was after he died. Up until that time, most people thought this was a great guy. Now, this is a very common false teacher form in the world today, not only in the macro sense, but also in the micro sense. And we have to be very, very careful. We have to look at it and examine and pray because it's so dangerous. And the consequences is that there'll be public condemnation and destruction. That man's total ministry and all of his life work is nothing now. It is nothing. It is publicly humiliated and condemned, both for themselves and the organizations to which they are attached. I've seen churches collapse, and we're seeing some churches in the midst of collapsing because of this type of false teacher. And we have to be on our guard. And what we need to know is that God's calling into ministry is for service. And people who are not serving are not in ministry. Look on their lives. See how they behave. See what they do. It's so important. We need to know that how ministers live is as important as what they say. And all ministers need to be willing to allow their lives to be open. Not every detail. You know, there are certain things in my life that is only true between me and Karen. And there's certain things that only she should hear. But I tell you, there's no sin in my life she doesn't know about. At least that I know of. And if there is, I'm sure the Lord will expose it to her so I can repent. 
But there, that said, ministers need to be open. You need to look at it. And if there's a question, if there's a concern, step away and watch what happens. Because Peter gives us some insights too in this whole passage, but in the latter part of what we read about overcoming the false teachers among us. The first thing Peter says here is we need to have confidence that God will deliver you and preserve you from false teachers and the trials that they cause. He preserved Noah and the family. He rescued Lot and God will rescue you. Don't live in fear, but live in confidence in the Lord. As long as you're doing the other things we talked about, you know, knowing the Bible and so on and so forth, God can protect you and preserve you, but pay attention when he speaks to you. Peter also tells us in the passage to have confidence that God will punish the false teachers. And I mean punish. God will punish the false teachers. He dealt with the rebellious angels. He dealt with the world of the ungodly in the flood. He extinguished Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of how he acts and how seriously he takes this stuff. So we need to have confidence that God's going to do it. And he does do it. That means, too, that we must refuse to be what I'd call a heresy hunter or an executioner or join with them. Right now, the, the YouTube and uh, the Internet is filled with people who are trying to expose people that they say are false teachers that are not. They're heresy hunters. And the Lord does not want us to be heresy hunters. As the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There in Hebrews chapter 10. So God can deal with it. It's not our job. That's why we don't normally publicly name people and ministries at City Temple and at Chelsea. Because it's not our job to judge. And I certainly don't want the same fingers that we might point to be pointed back. Amen? So we don't become heresy hunters and we don't join in with them. We need to learn to ask deeper questions and investigate more fully leaders you don't know personally. Read about them. If it's somebody you're following, send their ministry an email. Ask questions. Anybody that prevaricates or anybody that avoids accountability, don't trust them. Don't trust them. That means to overcome the false teachers in our midst, we must seek out true and healthy ministers. You need to know who are you trusting. And let me tell you, it shouldn't be a big number of people. It shouldn't be a big number of people. You can listen to a lot, but there's a few that you should trust. You need to commit to a healthy church family. Absolutely essential. And as Paul tells Timothy, we need to watch our lives and our doctrine, the things that we believe, closely. But uh, 1 Timothy 4.16, 4, yeah, 4.16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save yourself and your hearers. In other words, 
pursue truth and integrity. False teachers are being sown like weeds in the global church of Jesus Christ. And they have been for some time, but now the environment is right for them to really start growing. And the growth is going to escalate. And it's going to get a lot, lot worse before it gets better. And you're going to see this in the year ahead. And thankfully, I believe that God is going to start exposing false teachers of all three varieties more regularly and more fully. So be on the lookout, watching. And we need to be on the lookout. We need to be watching because, frankly, we are entering one of the most dangerous seasons in church history, especially since these false teachers are proliferating and propagating more easily than ever before. And they're doing that because of modern media, modern technology, and everyone's access to it. It's a dangerous time, but we must not live in fear. We must live in faith. God will provide, will, will preserve us. God will protect us. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. And these false teachers, no matter how many of them there are, and no matter how bad it gets, we must always remember that their present doesn't, presence doesn't contradict God's word, but it confirms God's word. It reminds us that Jesus Christ really is Lord, really is Savior, and we can trust in him. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Father, I pray that you would help us to have the sensitivity to recognize false teachers as never before. Give us your grace and mercy, not to bring judgment, but to always be in a place of safety, safe in the truth, safe in your church, safe in leaders that we can trust so that we can follow you boldly and live for you faithfully throughout all our days. We praise you and honor you and worship you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.